0: Praise God. I'll tell you a little joke if I can remember it. There was a a woman in her early 80s, she was getting married and uh, for the fourth time and uh, her local news media wanted to interview her about it. And so they spoke to her and they said uh, well tell us a little bit about your your marriages they you know she was married four times this is the fourth time and they'd all gone on before her and she and uh, tell us a little bit about your previous marriages she said well the first one was a banker in her twenties she had married a banker and then and he had passed prematurely and then uh, in her 40s she had married another man and he was a circus ringmaster (laughs) and then in her 60s she she had lost him and remarried again and she married a preacher who had also gone on to be with the lord and so now here she was again in her early 80s marrying again and this guy was the Undertaker, <laughs> and uh, the interviewer, he said, he was curious. He said, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear why you married four men with such diverse and different backgrounds, you know, or callings of, of work, you know." And she. Paused for a long time. She had to think about it and reflect over the, those years and she said, finally, she answered and said, well, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, that we can just take a chill pill and just relax and enjoy the body of Christ, one another, pray for each other, fellowship together, and commune with you, Lord. Come to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to make us strong, that we may rise up, walk and run in faith, and and to carry out the mission, the adventure the calling that you have on our lives in your plan and your timing, and thank you for helping us to learn what that looks like, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you would like for God to do big things in your life? Yeah. Sort of a rhetorical question. Assuming that you believe that God is good and and not the one putting negative things on you like some of the heresy that you hear. Good God, bad devil, right? Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that God can do that? Oh, yeah. How many of you believe that he wants to do great things for you and in your life? That's good. Because you know, most people believe that he can but they struggle with believing that he will do it for them. Yeah, if we're just honest. I hope that's not the case here. If you're sitting under this teaching and you are here to learn and to grow, which you should be, and you don't have any strange agendas or strongholds or things that are hindering you and can harm others, then you're in the right place. And God will make sure of that, that we keep it like that and that it continues to grow and prosper and be a healthy part of the body of Christ. And I preach a lot about the grace of God because that's what brought me. Religion wasn't going to help me. The law wasn't going to help me, do's and don'ts and that sort of thing, but when I came to the end of me, I found grace, or like I told you last week, we don't really find grace, it finds us. It's always been God's nature, it's always been extended to us, and it comes through a revelation of the love of God for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. But I preach about grace, I preach about faith, and how they work together, because without understanding this, you'll miss out on many of the benefits Uh, that Jesus paid for you to have I know this to be true and that's why I minister on that and my, my mission in life, my calling is to help create disciples of the word students and learners of the word of God and not just get people to say a prayer or fill out a card because I want you to grow up and be as strong as horseradish in the Lord and be able to stand, walk, and run that that race of faith that He's called us to. Amen? And if you don't understand this grace and faith and the balance of it and how these things work together, um, you'll frustrate the grace of God. You understand that? It's hard to understand, but let me just read this to you out of Galatians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you might want to underline this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, so it's Jip. Gy- Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in the 21st verse, all the way through 3.7. Galatians 2, verse 21. Paul says this. Well, let me back up. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, in me. And the life I live now In the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I had to include that because that's an awesome scripture. Starting at the 21st verse. I do not nullify the grace of God or set aside the grace of God or frustrate the grace of God. I said all those three because depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it may have said any of those and they all mean the same thing. I do not frustrate the grace of God or nullify it, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Christ Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit, by works of the law? That means by... The obedience of your flesh your self-righteousness your good works your good deeds your performance no or by hearing with faith are you so foolish have you having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh he's being sarcastic he's saying You came to God in faith that he he died for your sins and forgave you and was accepting you into the body of Christ. Now you're gonna try to finish your race by earning it? He says somebody's bewitched you. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, and he's the father of our faith, so that's the same thing. We believe God and it's credited to us as righteousness. Hallelujah. When we get into works, that's thinking that our good works, our good behavior is going to earn something from God, twist his arm and make him notice us and do something for us. Then we've just missed it. We've missed it. We believe that God owes us something, you know. I come here and I'm special and I know all this and I'm talented and I, I tithe. I'm the biggest tither here, but you're not because I am. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I have a revelation of how God gets things to me. He doesn't want my money. He wants that seed that he can bless and multiply back to me. Nevertheless, it's not because of our performance or because of our awesomeness that we get things from God. But when we believe like that, we get out of the grace of God and we get into the flesh. So we frustrate the grace of God. We set it aside or leave it unused because we've effectively pushed Aside the power and provision of God, which comes by faith, by putting our faith in His grace, having a our faith is simply a positive response to what Jesus has provided by grace on the cross, through the atonement. How's that? So we leave it out of reach and unused, and it frustrates God and grieves the Holy Spirit. Because, frankly, We're in pride when we do that. Which causes God by His nature, which is love, to resist us. To resist us because He's resisting that which is hateful to Him. Something that says we don't need Him to attain or accomplish anything that comes against us in this life. I got this. I'll call on you when it's a crisis situation, but I think I can handle this. That frustrates the grace of God because you're you're taking everything that Jesus literally died on the cross to provide you with, and you're saying I don't need that right now. Got you, got me. (laughs) It's hateful to God, so He just sits back and He waits until we get back into true humility. And uh, if he grants us repentance, which he generally does again, then, then he can turn on the blessings and provisions that Jesus died to provide us with. See, he never turned it off, but we can effectively shut off the spigot. It's us who's preventing the grace of God from flowing in our lives. So he wants us to turn it on. He wants us to receive it and accept everything he's died to provide us with. That blesses God, it's pleasing to God. That's why it says without faith, it's impossible to please God because faith is the hand that reaches out and grabs hold of the things provided by grace. Hallelujah. Yeah, it blesses God when we align ourselves to receive from him in love, in humility. I've never seen the Holy Spirit who is the steward of all of the grace of God I've never seen him work inside of pride. It's not that he doesn't love you anymore or doesn't want to. It's just like you're telling him it's your feeble attempt at deity. And while you're trying, he'll just wait. Y'all with me? Yeah. You believe me? Yeah. Okay. Oh. What grace is not, and this is something that it's important, I just want to touch on this for a minute. But in the the book of Jude, Jude was one of Jesus' brothers or half-brothers. One of the ones is just like they didn't believe on him much when he was alive. But they sure did after he got up out of that grave. And James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And and Jude uh, has a book in the Bible, just one page, but very powerful. And they both were martyred for their faith, so they really believed. But this is Jude, verse three and four. I say chapter one, but there's only one chapter. Jude, verse three and four. This is so compelling to me because it's like he really wanted to talk about some other things, but he felt compelled like he might in these days in which we live to come against something else. He said, Beloved, and I'm doing it in the amplified version, which really expounds or sort of amplifies everything. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I was compelled to write to you urgently, appealing that you fight strenuously for the defense of the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. The faith that is the sum of Christian belief that was given verbally to believers, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, like a sneaky snake, just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly persons whose condemnation was predicted long ago, for they distort the grace of our God into decadence and immoral freedom viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want and deny and disown our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So it's not a license to sin, obviously, right? Let's expound on that a little bit. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, from the Amplified again, since we're there. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now that's interesting because if the grace of God has appeared to all men, then why aren't they all saved? Like this universalism teaches. Because it requires a faith response. Our positive response to the grace of God is faith. And that's what grabs hold of it. So... And then it says here in verse 12, speaking about the grace of God, Titus 2, 12, it, it, being grace, teaches us, so grace is a teacher, to reject ungodliness and worldly or immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. So, based on that, Definition and descriptions of, of grace and those warnings against what it's not, let's just say that grace is something that empowers and teaches us to live holy. Wouldn't you agree? Based on the scriptures. Grace is the power and provision of God to be and to do all that He's called us to be and to do. Yeah. God's not calling. And so if it's if it, to, the power and provision to be and to do all He's called us to be and to do, Because if you're saved, you're called. Then he's not calling us to sin, is he? So he's not empowering that. God is not empowering us to sin. So grace doesn't give license to sin. There is forgiveness. There is mercy. You can believe for crop failure. If you've planted some bad seed, that's one of the... Blessings and provision of God for us as His children. But that's not we're not operating in grace when we act that way. So don't be deceived, God says. He's not mocked. Amen. Amen. Romans 6, verses 15 and 16 in the Amplified. And we'll finish in the Amplified there, I think. But I just wanted to say this one last thing. When, What then are we to conclude, Paul said? Talking about grace. The entire book of Romans is an amazing masterpiece on grace. What are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we're not under the law anymore? But under grace? Certainly not. And the, and he used an exclamation point. As we, a lot of people say the word he used here in the Greek was as close as he could come to cussing without doing it. Certainly not. Do you not know that when you continually offer yourselves to someone to do his will, this is talking about offering yourselves to the enemy, Satan, or to God, okay? So to to do his will, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey. Either slaves of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness or right standing with God. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 I call heaven and earth to you. This is, this is, a, this is pretty cut and dried. You're given two options. It's either or. There's not, a, there's not a middle ground. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. There's your part. I always tell you it's a relationship, folks. And what is the chooser of our lives? We we teach, we understand about spirit, soul, and body from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We're three part beings, right? That part of us that's been born again and has the mind of Christ and renewed and perfected and sealed forever, that's the spirit. We cannot discern that with our natural minds. What can we? But in that natural mind, that free will, our personality, our emotions, that's what our soul is round. That's the decider in our life. And then this flesh will just follow suit, this earth suit that we're going to trade in for a, a perfect one when we get home. But choose life. Make your soul choose the spiritual, not the natural or carnal. Choose life, and let's look at this promise, that, you bo- you, that both you and your descendants may live. And he's talking about that Zoe life, and that eternal life, that good stuff. Psalm 18, 25, it says, to the faithful, talking to God, you show yourself faithful. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? God's saying, come on. Get in step with me. I'm going to show you some fun, really awesome blessings and cool things that you didn't know. But I need you to come and walk with me. Quit running off. <laughs> because we said I'm not going to be like those guys in the mall. I'm not going to put a leash on you. I'm going to let you do what you choose to do. And I'm going to believe, I'm going to be waiting, watching for you to come back. I love you, but I'm not going to make you. I don't want robots. I'm looking for a family that loves me for me. So be committed to Jesus. Be obedient to His will. Be diligent in your Christian life. This is our part. It's our reasonable worship or sacrifice. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about the kingdom of God today. And the principles regarding the kingdom of God. This is important stuff. This is stuff you don't get. I've never heard it really, except in a, some very, very good places. <laughs> we can focus. Let me just press it. Press, press. Or pre. Let me say this first. We can focus on the, the how to's of God. Yeah, 10 steps to this, seven steps to that. Don't recommend it. Sometimes it might sound like that's what we're doing. We're not. We're learning some things, but we can focus on the how to's of God so much that we forget the most important thing. And never forget this. Write this on your refrigerator. Receiving from God is not transactional, it's relational. Receiving from God is not transactional, it's relational. It's more important to focus on the who than the how. And it's all about Jesus. All that matters is found in the person of Jesus Christ. But, now that I've said that, there are laws, and I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. There are spiritual laws in place. Matthew 6, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means a righteousness obtained not by your right standing or your good works or deeds, but a righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Seek, seek that out. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. You ever reflected on that much? And His righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. He's saying, don't be like the world chasing after all this and that and worrying about this and that. He says, I... I I'm your dad and I own it all and I love you. I know what you need before you ask. Put me first and watch and see what happens in your life. Acts 1:3. Jesus had been raised from the dead and he he was on the earth. He stuck around for 40 days, didn't he? After he was raised from the dead for 40 days And then He ascended and then 10 days later on the 50th day, on the day of Pentecost, the Father sent the promised Holy Spirit. But for those 40 days in Acts chapter 1-3, Luke says that Jesus, He remained amongst them and taught them things regarding or about the kingdom of God. He shared with them truths or things about the kingdom of God in the kingdom of God I try to make this point in every message in every way and every day of my life I talk to people morning noon and night y'all go through your prayer requests and praise reports and stuff like that and uh, and I hear this and I'm like wait there's like 15 more and I'm like wait that's not from people from here Those are the other people I'm talking to and working with and praying for and believing with from all ages and all walks of life, right? But I try to make this point that in the kingdom of God there are functioning laws whether you're aware of them or not. And if you aren't aware of them they may be working against you. Hmm. Or You may be working against them. And you'll be suffering the consequences. And sometimes just out of ignorance. God said, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. And what he means is a lack of knowing me. Lack of knowing the principles and the keys of the kingdom of God. He wants us to know them. He wants us desperately to know them. That's why he says, do not let... The words of this book depart from your eyes. He doesn't mean, it's not a legalistic thing. He's saying, he's saying this is where your help is. If you haven't been taught to read it through lenses of legalism and mean God and putting things on you to teach you lessons which makes you run from God instead of to Him. Christians too often including myself (laughs) too often we want counseling and prayer and listen thats I'm here for that matter of fact some of you need to be doing that taking advantage of it more often I know I'm your friend and I'm pretty low keyed and we're pretty casual here but don't diminish the anointing that's on this office take advantage of it there are there are, and I, I'm saying that in all humility, it has nothing to do with me. If there's anything good for me or ever comes good out of me, it's Jesus, not me. I've, I know I have friends that have churches that are so big, they can't even talk to their people anymore. They don't meet with them personally. They can't. It's like running a city. They have other ministers that do that. nevertheless, But we want a five minute prayer session or counseling and wave a magical spiritual wand over us and just fix all of our problems and answer all of our questions. I I want that. That's why it's so wonderful to have someone like my friend Russell here who was two weeks in. Everybody's like, and Barbara's like, I want more of that, yeah. And those gifts are all in the body. Jesus gave that to us as a gift. But this is what you need. Praise God, we'll get as much of that as we can. But just like Jesus said, it's good that I go away. Because how many of you know it'd be good to have Jesus walk around with you in the flesh everywhere all the time. But he couldn't be everywhere, even when he was here. He was just one place at a time, speaking to one person at a time, or one group at a time. Now the Holy Spirit has come, and he's with you all the time. But you need to have that strong personal relationship with the Word of God, which is Jesus without eyeballs, and the Holy Spirit. You need to know that when you're alone, which is most of your Christian life, you're still as strong as horseradish. You're as loved by God as anybody else. He's got your picture in His wallet, and you have authority and dominion and control over all the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. But if you don't believe it, you're gonna frustrate the grace of God and leave it unused. Amen, roll me. Romans 12, 1, 2 says we need to renew our minds, right? According to the word of God make ourselves living sacrifices, and and this is something you just can't microwave, this relationship with God. We need to learn the kingdom, we need to learn about how the kingdom of God works. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom, here we go again, this kingdom of God, his kingdom rules over all. And he's not talking about just all things in heaven. He's talking about his kingdom runs everything. His kingdom created what you can see from things that can't be seen. His word, which is another law of the kingdom. (laughs) Ephesians 1 verses 19 through 22 says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand at his right hand in the heavenly places say I have raising from the dead power inside of me Or just say amen. Amen. Okay. That means yes. So be it unto me. Yes. Okay. Easier. Far, he seated him at the right hand, his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. I'm not talking about Joey and Barbara and Cy and Buddy. I'm talking about not only those names. I'm talking about cancer has a name, doesn't it? I'm talking about poverty and lack have a name, don't they? Whatever you call it when you're talking about it, that's your mountain, that's, your, that's the name that he has authority and dominion over. Amen. Okay, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named. Not only in this age, this church age in which we now live, but also in the age to come. This is the last dispensation of time, this church age, while we're here, while the church is here. Once we're caught up to be with the Lord, there's gonna be another age. There's gonna be a, a millennial reign where we will rule and reign with Christ here on the earth for a thousand years. And then even better things after that, amen. Amen. Okay. And He put all things under His feet. So the Father put everything under Jesus and gave him Jesus as head he's the head over all things to the church so the king is ruling in a kingdom there's always a king and there is a king in the kingdom of God and he's Jesus Christ and he is ruling and we the church we are actually seated with him in heavenly places we are right there with him because we are in Christ If you're not in Christ, you're on your own. And you're still fallen, natural man, which is Adam. Corrupted sin nature and separated from God. So you don't want to be that. When he looks at you, you want him to see Jesus, the born again believer. And we're seated with him, although we are here as his ambassadors temporarily. Mm -hmm. We are just visitors here. I told you like that. Representative, that child of God from the faraway land, come to help all the others. Huh? That's why God left you here when He saved you. Yeah. We're just representatives of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, here to shine light into the darkness and destroy the works of darkness. Isn't that why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? Well, if you're in Christ and he's gone on and handed off his authority to us, like I say, we gave away our authority, dominion, control of this earth that God gave to us in the garden. He gave us a chance to figure out a way if anybody could get it back. We couldn't. So he came himself and got it back, then handed it back over to us and went home. (laughs) Yeah. Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10. Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's everything, folks. Everywhere. (laughs) Jesus is over it all. 1 Peter 3.22 says, Who has gone, that that who, so let's just say is Jesus. Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. So again, everything is subject to Jesus, the King of the kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us. This is the church. This is you and I from the domain of darkness which we all walked in at one time. No, I did. Very dark. Very dark. (laughs) And He has transferred us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So we have a new spiritual address or zip code and it's eternal life it's heaven, it's Jesus it's God, it's children of God, names written in the Lamb's book of life sins blotted out forever hallelujah give you something to shout about got a question for you so what does the kingdom of God consist of and I'm just, it's a little teaser. I'm just going to give you a little preview today to get you coming back and bringing others with you. Amen. 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 Jeremiah thirty-three twenty-five 25 says, I, God says, I have appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth. I have appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth. I see smoke coming out of some of your ears. It's a good thing though, I haven't lost it, nobody's sleeping. Because this is something that if you have Jesus, you you crave this, you want this. I feel inadequate to be even going here, but I said I have to, I'm going. The Lord wanted me to and I said let's go, we'll go together and we're gonna talk about this because in these end times folks, The the devil is so deceiving and crafty. He's not coming out, although he has come out full blown right out of the closet. (laughs) And don't even worry about it anymore. But people won't be tricked by that always, okay? So what he does is he tries to be very crafty. I'm not bragging on him at all because he always overplays his hand because he's full of pride. But he will come, what you're going to find more and more of, and this is especially the young people that I talk to and deal with, this universalism thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, we love God. They're not afraid of you talking about God. They won't even they don't if you say I'm going to pray for you and God's good. Oh yeah. What they're against is Jesus. Well, we qualify that. They're not even against Jesus. The door knockers, they, they say they love Jesus. He's a great example, they say. They think of him as just another man, though. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that's a trick of the devil. That's why it's a cult. Oh, what great Christians they would make. Mm-hmm. So dedicated. Mm-hmm. But when you stop short of calling Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of God, then what that does is nullify your salvation. Because the blood of Jesus is what saved you. The fact that He was the Son of God and born of a woman, it qualified Him to be a man because man gave away our dominion or authority, so it had to be a man that got it back. But God Himself, pure and perfect and holy, his precious blood, his blood is the most powerful substance in the universe. And that old temple that they had in the Old Testament and in the Jewish faith, the Israelites, that mercy seat, in which in the ark they had, you know, the the jar of manna, they had Aaron's rod, and they had the broken commandment, or the, the, the commandments, all the things that people had rebelled against. They complained about the food. They wanted wanted meat. Even though the the angel food was perfect. They they rebelled against the authority of God's uh, anointed and appointed. huh? And they rebelled and broke all of the Ten Commandments. All that was there in the ark and God could see it and it reminded him of our sinfulness. Jesus walked into the actual throne room of God, the actual, not the type in shadow, the small replica that was built here, but the one in heaven. He walked in there, so he said, don't touch me, I haven't gone to my father yet. But he did go, he walked in there, and he took his own blood, and he wiped it on that mercy seat on top of that ark. And now when God looks down onto that ark, all he sees is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if they can make you think Jesus was just a good example, a good man, then what they're saying is he was a, a good pattern for what you need to do to earn your way to heaven. And that's a damn lie. I might not should have went there, but I needed to make it <laughs> that plain. It is a lie of the devil. you you know, Say I love Pastor Will, <laughs> and, and I'm praying for him. But that's what your anger is for—to get mad at the devil. That's right. Our battle not against flesh and blood. Five things. Can you imagine? Five is a good number, isn't it? What's the kingdom of God? All about, what's it consist of? The kingdom of God is governed by God's laws, God's covenant, God's promises, God's proclamations or prophecies, and God's principles. And we're gonna get into some of these things in the weeks to come. Uh, Lord willing, sometimes I wanna do something and he points me somewhere else at midnight on a Saturday when I think I got it all wrapped up and then you give me four more messages on the way to church. (laughs) But today I just want to, I wanted to touch on that. I want to get you excited about it because it's, it's all hidden in here. It's like you're prospectors and treasure hunters. I want you to see the great adventure of it. I want you to get back to a place of that childlike faith. I was on the, while we were locked out of here this morning, I was in the, on the phone with a friend of mine who, you know, we were talking about some, some things regarding different folks with different spiritual needs. And, and then he shared with me just a, a wonderful testimony about his dad, who's uh, one of my heroes. And, uh, just a, one of the last real cowboys, and he's in his 80s now. And uh, he went to the doctor again for something else, and they would found there'd been something on his lung, and this and that. And they did a biopsy or whatever, and they went to do it, and they were just found it was gone. It was just gone. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, "Well, it's, it doesn't make any sense." The doctor told him. He didn't say that. The doctor told him. He said, "What'd you do?" He said, "Oh, we just we prayed about it, church." <laughs> That's that childlike faith. I don't care how old you are. You can be like that. And i am tell you what. It ain't for sissies though. Because what you see. The situations and circumstances of life. You know. When I see it. I believe it. That sort of attitude. That's easy to come by. That's easy to do that. It's easy to be negative in this life. Just look around. What's hard is just making up your mind to believe God. If He said it, that settles it. Because, And you're going to benefit greatly when you do. And it's hard sometimes. It's like taking that nasty plunge where you just fall backwards into somebody's arms who may or may not be there to catch you in this life. But you can trust Jesus to catch you every time. He got you here. He got you to this point. It might not have been pretty, you live in a fallen world and sometimes our choices and our bad choices over and over and over again, that's what you know brought on a lot of the problems. And it, God, the grace of God was always there, but if we haven't learned the principles of the kingdom of God and learned how to cooperate with them, then we've been frustrating the grace of God And he's always been waiting, watching for us to come. And he's waiting with open arms. And he's like, yeah. Every time we walk in faith and we take hold of something Jesus provided by grace through his death and atonement, God's up there saying, look at my baby. Look at my baby. That's why Jesus was so astonished at that centurion, that Roman soldier who didn't even know God, his faith. He said, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. He goes, oh, that's okay. Just say the word and he'll be healed. I I know how it is to have authority. And Jesus was amazed at his great faith. And you know what? He was healed. Yeah. John 16, 33. I just want to encourage you today by ending with just a little bit about Jesus. Okay. I just love talking about Jesus. John 1633, Jesus said, I've said these things to you. And I'm I'm saying this, I feel like he's saying this now. I've said these things to me that to you that in me you may have peace. Isn't that all we're really looking for? Well in John 14 27, he gave you his peace as a gift, and he said, I won't take it back like the world does. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you have a part to play, but that, that peace is there. That peace is there. That same peace that let him sleep in the, on the pillow in the back of that little ship as it was rocking and rolling in basically a hurricane. And then when they woke him up, you don't care about us, we're going to die. Again. Got up and he told the wind and the waves to shut up. He said one word, it was much kinder, shalom. And it was. That's the kind of peace that He gave us as a gift. See, listen, in this life, you're gonna have problems. The storms of life are gonna rage, like Messiah was singing about. When Jesus was here, He went through the storms of life. But even though He was in the storm, The storm never got in him. And that's available to all of us. I've said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart or be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You're overcomers in Christ. How do I know? 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. Everyone. Are you and everyone? Well, this is, there's a qualification here. Everyone who has been born of God, so raise your hand, so I, need, I know if I need to take an altar call. Somebody asked me about that recently. How often do you all do altar calls? I said, every time God showed me somebody needs to be saved. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. Look at that. Your world overcomers. Well, if that's true, then why doesn't it just happen? Why do bad things keep happening to me? You're not listening. I'm trying to help you to learn the principles of the kingdom of God. And it's going to help you. Because all the grace of God, all things pertaining to life and godliness, have already been granted to you. Already. So let's find out how to get hold of them. Who is it? Verse 5. John, 1 John 5, verse 5. Five is a number for grace. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 5, 17, for if, because of one man's trespass, that's Adam in the garden, death reigned through that one man, so the seed was perpetuated, it was passed down, that corrupted, fallen, sin nature. So when you used to say the devil made me do it, you were kinda right. Death reigned through that one man. Much more those, will those who receive the abundance of grace, who receive the abundance of grace, not just know that it's there in the bank and don't ever write the check. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, see, nothing that can be earned, will reign in life, reign, rule, have dominion over, through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we reign, we rule, we have dominion or control, victory in life by or through Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us his name. This is one of the things I'll just share with you today. One of the keys, he gave us his name. To overcome the difficulties of life. Amen or oh me. So don't worry so much about the quality of your prayer folks. I have people tell me I don't really know how to pray. And they just gave me a perfect description. They just told me in in their words exactly what was going on. And I understood it clearly. That's exactly how you need to pray to Jesus. Forget about the King James English. He thinks you're weird when you do that. You don't worry so much about the quality of your prayer. Just know that God hears you. And at the end when you say in Jesus' name, your faith needs to rise up. And take hold of the things provided by grace. That name is powerful. And then when you say amen, that means so be it. Be it unto me or unto whomever I'm praying for. Let that which we just prayed in the name of Jesus, which is the power, let it be. Let it be so. And I'm going to end with this. Just two quotations that I read that are just trying to show you how some of this fits into today's culture and weirdness. When you're trying to sort it all out. And be Christian and be, still live your life and make it all work and make, have a rhyme or reason, huh? A couple of things. A guy named John Bevere, he said, Jesus warns the church in Thyatira. This is, remember in Revelation, the warnings to the, the seven churches. The, the church in Thyatira, uh, he warned them against tolerance. Now this is... This is something I want you guys to, to, to hear me out. He warned them against tolerance, which was leading them into immorality and idolatry. Tolerance led them into immorality and idolatry? It's a bad thing? Yeah. Our culture often confuses love and tolerance, he said. The two couldn't be more different. Hello. Love seeks the other person's good. Tolerance seeks to be thought of as good in another person's eyes. Yeah, that's right. Love comes from fearing God. Tolerance comes from fearing man. Yeah, right. Nowhere in scripture is tolerance held up as a virtue. And I looked and he's right just a reminder to anchor your values in god's word not in a world's broken system and then this is one last thing and i posted this one yesterday and it says many christians believe that the highest calling god has placed on us is to be nice (laughs) nothing wrong with being nice but If you're hearing me correctly, it says many Christians believe that the highest calling God has placed on us is to be nice. These Christians are wrong. God has not called us to be nice, rather he has called us to be good. Here's the difference. Nice people never confront evil. Good people do. Nice people are weak, good people are strong. Now, that might be pain with a little bit of a broad brush, but in this definition, the defined term, I would say that's correct. Jesus wasn't nice. Read John chapter 6, if you don't believe me. He was kind, though, and there's a difference. He was compassionate. He was caring. But he was unbending and unflinching when it came to standing for the truth And it cost him his life. So I'll just read this scripture to you one more time. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. You get anything out of this today? I have. I <laughs> love you guys. Jesus loves you. And we're going to continue on next week. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the love and mercy and grace that you have for us. Thank you for helping our faith to be strengthened to, from a position of rest in you and your finished works. Not trying to earn anything from you. Just knowing that we are loved. Give us the confidence, Lord, to be strengthened in our faith, that it will stand up, that it will rise up, stand, walk, and run, and to take care of everything that you have for us to do and to finish the race that you have set out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.